0: Welcome to Speak A Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for joining me today. Glad you guys could make it. Hey, if you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, be sure you go ahead and do so. New episodes are coming out every single Wednesday morning for you, and you're gonna wanna be sure to check them out. Don't forget, you can also find me on Instagram, Speak A Dogcast as well. Excellent show lined up today, guys. I'm really excited. Now, the first segment we have is called The Answer Is Always. What's the answer? (laughs) What's the question? You know what? You're going to have to listen to find out. Then, after that, we're going to have our guest spot. In today's guest spot, we welcome back a good friend of mine, Kelly Hain from the Care Foundation. Yes, Kelly came on a while back, way back in November. Uh, We were still early on in the podcast. And We have a great update from her on how everything is going out there, hear more about what they're about, some really neat things going on and in the works, so definitely going to want to hear that. Then we have our breed of the week, followed by our listener Q&A. If you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Before we get going today, got to give you that trivia question, and today's question is, what is the fastest accelerating dog in the world? Yes, what is the fastest accelerating dog breed in the world? And I'll give you the answer to that somewhere in today's podcast. So stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, the answer is always more structure and more exercise. You know, when I come across behavioral problems, which is clearly what I do for a living, uh, when I come across behavioral problems with dogs, I find the number one thing, the number one thing that most owners are missing is structure. Yes, you heard me correctly. The number one thing that causes behavioral issues and that most owners are missing is structure. It's the lack of structure that ends up creating majority of behavioral issues out there. Now, we look at something like a rescue dog, right? Uh, a lot of these rescue dogs, a lot of these dogs that end up at humane societies and places like that, they, they come with a bit of baggage sometimes, right? Because they've been out on the street or they come from a bad situation or they come from traumatizing experience or they were dumped on the side of the road or unwanted pet. And do you know what all of those different things have in common? The lack of structure in that animal's life. And sure enough, it creates behavioral issues. The same can be said about human beings, right? I mean, we know that about children. Children need structure. Adults need structure. That's why we have laws. That's why we have rules. That's why there's social uh, acceptances, social things that are, are, are acceptable, that are not acceptable, because we have to have structure, right? Structure helps create stability, And as I, you know, I've said it quite a few times before, every single animal on this planet, we're all looking for one thing in life. All of us. I don't care if it's a bird, a dog, a cat, a person, an ape. Every animal wants one thing out of life, and that's stability. And the way we create stability is through structure, through control mechanisms. And control mechanisms are, uh, that's what structure is, right? So, really, dogs crave structure, just like human beings do, just like every animal does, but dogs are almost more so. Like, 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 they crave structure in a different way, right? Of course, their their brains are wired differently than us, so the way that a dog craves structure is almost more intense than a way a human being craves structure. Maybe, maybe not. Ki- maybe kids. Kids are kind of. I think kids really crave structure. They do. They really crave it, and that's that's more like what a what a dog is. They really need that structure. And they want it. They crave it, okay? So it's important that we put structure in place. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we do that? There's different ways we can go about putting structure into a dog's life. Now, some of these things you're probably already doing, maybe you've thought about. Some of these other ways of creating structure, I bet you, you haven't thought of. Little things, little minute details that go a long way to create structure in your dog's life. So we're going to talk about all of these, okay? Then we'll talk about the exercise side uh, as well. Now, putting structure in a dog's life, putting it structure in any animal's life, it create we can create a routine and we can create consistency through that routine. And creating consistency and routine really guys, it helps create confidence. It does. It creates an expectation for the day, maybe provides some form of purpose and fulfillment as well. So, creating a routine is really healthy for an animal, especially for a dog, okay? Now, dogs, we've all kind of heard it before they're sort of like military style thinking right we, We've been, now we've been over the whole alpha beta thing or not we're not gonna dive off into this today but as i say i really don't like the word alpha i really don't it's not my favorite word uh because in the dog world alpha means a different thing i mean we're not gonna we're not gonna get too deep into that today <laughs> but they are they are wired. They are hardwired in that military style, thinking where there is, there's one person in charge or one one authority figure, if you will, and everybody else is on the same page and they all follow, okay? And so even more so for a dog, you being their leader, you creating that consistency and routine for them really helps provide that instinctual oh oh hey you're you're the alpha eh, i hate that word you're the one in charge <laughs> and you're a good leader i'm going to follow you right so okay all right so we can create a good routine i've talked about different episodes i've i've talked about a day in the life of a dog uh, we've talked about how to create a good routine in the morning for your puppy we've talked about all these different things um, as far as how to get a, what the details of the routine are in other episodes. So definitely go back and check out some of my other episodes where we get more in depth on that, but we want to create that consistent routine. Now, the routine also has another word that we're we're, we're kind of doing. Once we create routine, we're also actually creating discipline. Yeah. Now, people hear hear the word discipline and they actually they immediately jump to another word and that's punishment. Now, discipline doesn't necessarily mean punishment, right? Like we we say uh, you know, you have a discipline. Dog training is my discipline, right? It doesn't necessarily mean punishment. And there's somewhere along the way that, that, that word got kind of thrown in with punishment. And while, yes, you can be a disciplinarian, you can provide discipline and it can be punishment. Discipline also really kind of means goes back to structure. You know, that's what being disciplined is. If you're a disciplined person, does that mean you're a person that's constantly punished <laughs> or does that mean you're a person who sticks to your routine, who you're good at sticking to, to, that, to that schedule, to things that need to be done, to you're, you're disciplined? You're maybe a self-motivator, you know? Um, so discipline doesn't necessarily mean punishment. But at the same time, <laughs> as I always talk about, guys, you can't not punish your animals. I've said it a thousand times. i say it again. You can't not punish your animals. Now, again, go back and listen to different segments on the definition of punishment. What punishment actually means? Punishment doesn't have to be anything physical. All right? Um, but again... Putting a routine in place and creating that consistency is discipline. It really is. So we have to have that discipline side of it too. Look, I'll, I'll give you an example. Now we're, now we're going to start talking about the little details. How, what, what does the discipline look like, right? Right. I'll give you an example. I had a client recently. Um, we're, we're working together. I just finished up the boot camp with her puppy. What a cute little bud. Uh, <laughs> a little English bulldog puppy. Loved him. But he was a feisty little guy. Now, he's a bulldog, of course. And he's a bulldog puppy. Some of that's to be expe- expected. But th- there, was, there was definitely maybe a little bit of extra feistiness <laughs> on the part of this puppy. And, you know, we've had, look, the owner and I, we've had this honest conversation. She knows it. There was a little bit of lack of discipline going on, right? from early on, from the time she got this puppy. And without that discipline, the feistiness grew. You know, I always say behavior is a snowball and it's going down one side of the mountain or the other. On one side of the mountain, we have desired behaviors. On the other side, we have undesired. Either way, that snowball's rolling down the mountain and getting bigger, okay? So if you don't do something about it, if you don't stop and redirect that snowball the other way, it's just gonna keep going. So that's what ended up happening is there was this little bit of lack of discipline Lack of consistency, lack of structure, lack of routine. And wouldn't you know it, it snowballed into some behavioral issues that was starting to get bitey, feisty, not good stuff you want to see in a puppy. Um, and by the end of boot camp, we really were doing well. And the point I'm trying to get to is I returned the dog. He's doing awesome. He is, but, <laughs> but he's testing her. He's testing her. And so here's the point I'm getting to. Now, we've talked... Um, I've talked about this on my segments on going for a walk. When we enter and exit the home, we want to make sure our dog is staying with us. We want to make sure they're still focused on us. So I might ask for a sit and stay and make sure it's controlled. okay? Because the problem is if I open that door and there's all that stimulation outside, all that smell, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and my dog's getting distracted and they're not focused on me and they're trying to pull me out the door, forget it. Walk's not going to go so well. Okay, So something as simple as providing a little bit of discipline, a little bit of structure at that front door with a sit and stay, making sure you have focus from your dog and that you're controlling the exiting and entering the home, really important. Now, this bulldog, by the end of the boot camp with me, he had mastered it. He was doing really awesome at the front door, not trying to bolt, waiting, watching. He goes home and this is this is you know this is something we deal with. We deal with a little bit of reversion uh, when I bring a dog back just a little bit. and sure enough, he's testing her. <laughs> she's been having just a little bit of trouble at the front door, but as she's been keeping me updated, she's been sticking through uh, keeping the discipline and structure in place, not letting him get one over on her, not letting him win. <laughs> And everything's falling into place now. It's getting there. She's making the progress. You know, now she's seeing the progress. And all because I had made that progress with him to begin with. Of course, we lay that foundation, right? And that makes it easy. But even still with that foundation, he's still battling her a little bit because of the lack of structure she'd had there before. That was the original pattern that he had formed with her. So now he's got new information to work with. But hey, old habits die hard. He's going to fall back to those old habits when they go back into the old environment. Right. We can make a lot of progress in a handful of weeks training a dog. And she'd be battling him like I had to battle him for the couple of weeks, man. He was, I mean, it just, it took a took a lot of consistency, a lot of repetitions, a lot of repetitions, a lot of repetitions, um, to get him to sit and stay at the door. So having that foundation, she would have been battling him even more um, had we not done that boot camp and laid down that foundation. But the point I'm trying to make here really is that she is keeping that structure in place. Something as simple as a sit and stay at the front door goes such a long way, such a long way to getting rid of other behavioral issues that then snowball, right? As I talked about, snowball gets bigger. So if if the bulldog goes, ha, 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 I can pull you out the door. I can control this. Hey, controlling you worked right here for me. So guess what I'm going to do when we get back inside? I'm going to go grab your shoes. I'm going to, I'm going to start telling you when I want to play, when I don't want to play, I'm going to start, okay, that's what the snowball does. So if we can sort of start controlling all these little in-between points, sit and stay at the front door, sit and stay when we're feeding, sit and stay coming in and out of the crate. And then as my client continues that, he starts learning, oh, surrendering control to you and you creating this structure for me works really well. I like this. Why would I want to do anything else? (laughs) Okay, so dogs crave structure. They do. They really crave that structure. And I promise you, if you can find those little moments, such as anytime you take them outside, you're controlling how that entering and exiting goes. When anytime you're feeding them, anytime you give them a treat, guys, don't give your dog treats for nothing. Don't give your dog treats for, for nothing. Make them do something for it. Okay? Don't bribe and trick your dogs. That's not what I'm saying. But your dog should sit for a treat, lie down for a treat, give me paw for a treat, speak for a treat. Any fun thing, they should be able to work for their food. It gives them more fulfillment by creating structure first, okay? So you have to put these these little tiny in-between variables in place that adds up to creating one piece of structure, two pieces of structure, three, so on and so forth, that it's like these building blocks that you're literally, I kind of almost can visually see putting up this structure brick by brick around And then you have this nice solid foundation going and boom, before you know it, your dog doesn't really want to do anything bad anymore because you've created structure and routine. I know that sounds like a little magical, but no, it's really true. It's really true. Okay. Uh, Another example I'll give is the other day I went and picked up a dog for doggy day camp and he was being a little crazy, a little bit crazy, might be a little bit of an understatement. He was like kind of losing his mind. (laughs) In excitement. He's a little newer to doggy day camp. So, uh, we're still learning and we're still training with the owners as well. So, you know, he was a little nuts and basically I, 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 just waited him out. I didn't let him say hi to me and we didn't go any closer toward the van, toward my car, toward my van, uh, toward all the other dogs, toward the excitement, toward where he wanted to go. I waited him out until he relaxed and then he finally laid down and relaxed and then I could bend down and give him affection. And he was nice and stayed nice and calm all because I created that structure first. I said, hey, bud, here's my variable. We're not going anywhere and you're not getting any affection until you calm down. That's what I communicated. By using my leash, by using corrections, by using structure. Okay? And then I got a better result. How about that? Okay, just within like a minute or two. It's amazing with just a little bit of structure. Just I mean, even just a little bit. Now, you should be doing a lot of it. Um <laughs> But just a little bit of structure, this much more than you were doing yesterday, my goodness, if you can be consistent with that, you'll be shocked, shocked at the results you will get with your dog, okay? So I, 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 I'm going to say it 20 more times. You have to provide more structure for your dog. I, you know, I tell my clients when I bring dogs back from boot camp, I kind of say, and for that matter, anybody who has a puppy, any kind of training I'm doing with anybody with a puppy, uh, but especially when I bring dogs back from boot camp, I say, now look, I've given your dog you know, new options, new way, new behavior, and they're, and they're, they're acting differently, aren't they? Yes. Uh, they're acting better, aren't they? Yes. Okay. So if we want to keep that going, you have to keep that same level of structure and consistency in place. So I tell my clients, you have to like you have to like overcompensate. You need to feel like you are being overbearing, <laughs> with the amount of structure, rules, and control you are creating. Because if you can start off being rigid like that, you know, I've used the example of teachers before. I mean, at least back in, back in my day, <laughs> I'm not that old, but hey, back in my day, when I was in school, uh, we had to walk through the snow. Now, uh, <laughs> eight miles in the snow. Uh, now, it, it, teachers were always known at the beginning of the year for being very strict, being more authoritative in the first month or two of school. And the reason why is if you've got a classroom full of 20 or 30 children, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want them to think they've got the upper hand on me. Um, So you almost overcompensate, overcontrol all the little details you possibly can. And then a month or two in, once that structure is in place, once those those rules and boundaries and discipline is in place, well, then you can start slowly removing the, the control. Then you can start slowly removing all that stuff because you've already provided that information to them. And that, that way, once you start, they're going to keep being good. They're going to keep that structure there because you, you established it to begin with. But the problem is if you go in with no rules, no structure, no boundaries, no, and it's just a free for all. What do you think is going to happen when you need to try to reel those behaviors in? You're not going to get a good response from the kids and it's no different with the dog. So that's the way I see it. Look, dogs are cute and fluffy and adorable, and I love them to death, but you can't let that conquer you. You know what I mean? I hear that a lot. Well, he's just so cute. I just had to le-. No, you didn't just have to. No, you didn't. <laughs> let's, let's start there. Uh, you are in control of your faculties, guys. You, you, you're, you're in control of your brain and the decisions you make. So don't, don't tell me, oh, I just had to because he's cute. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You knew what you were doing. Um... <laughs> You're doing it for you, not for the dog. Um so <laughs> all right, come on, David, off the soapbox. Let's not go there. no uh, no, but but in all seriousness, guys, it's 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 one of these things where if you don't provide the structure at all, and then one day you're realizing the behavior's too much and you're going, well, why isn't he stopping doing this? Why isn't she stopping doing this? Well, it's because you never told them not to, and they literally think, that's what they're supposed to do because that's what you reinforced and that's the behaviors you strengthen was lack of structure, lack of discipline, lack of rules. Ugh. So you need to start by feeling overbearing. And I'm not saying be mean. Again, you can go back and listen to that segment. Don't be mean, just mean it. It's my favorite saying. You don't need to be mean, but you need to create structure. Okay. So a lot of those in between things, like I said, controlling entering and exiting the house the crate feeding time making sure you're controlling the walk do you have a proper walk under control do you let your dog pull you over to people when you greet them if that's so that's not control guys that's not structure do you let your dog bark at you and tell you when it's time to eat do you let your dog bark and yell at you when it's time to play does your dog listen to you when you tell them to go lay down these are the in-between things that are that that are ways you create structure by not letting your dog demand it, you, by not letting your dog control you. You need to be controlling them. That's what's healthy, creating structure and control for them, okay? So you just have to do it, you know? There's no other way to say it. You just, you have to do it. You have to create structure and discipline for your dog, and there's nobody who's going to do it for you because at the end of the day, no matter how much training you do with somebody, guys... You have to follow through with it. You do, all right? So then there's the exercise side of it. We're going to just briefly scan over that, honestly, because how much have we talked about exercise? Every day, at the end of every one of my episodes, get out there and walk your dog, guys. That's what it's about. You have to provide the exercise first. Look, it, it, it's a thousand times easier. To train a dog who has gotten their physical stamina and physical exercise to a manageable level. They don't need to be exhausted dragging themselves on the ground or anything like crazy like that. But, you know, same with human beings. Now, I got a little bit off my exercise plan. I need to get back on it. Uh, You know, things happen and it's understandable. uh, But I'm still out there walking the dogs all the time. You know, that's the thing. As much as I'm not putting in the extra time doing, you know, the the other exercise and stuff I need to do for myself, we're still getting out there walking the dogs because they need that exercise. It's, It's really, you look, especially like if I've got a dog with anxiety issues or something like that, it's really hard to get through to them behaviorally through training if their brain is not in a manageable state. You know, that's really the way to say it. If their brain is not in a malleable state, the only way to get a brain in a malleable state like that is through exercise first. Okay. A dog with too much energy is going to, is just going to battle you. That's just the truth of it. Okay. So it's really hard to create structure If your dog has the energy to fight you for days, (laughs) and most dogs do, (laughs) so you have to get that exercise in, and it always, always, always the exercise starts with a proper walk. How long, how much of a walk, that's going to depend again upon your breed size, all that good stuff. Guys, do be aware it is summertime. Got to throw that out there again. It is so darn hot. We're having heat waves in different places in the country, and even just normal summer heat can be really dangerous for dogs. Now, I have that, um, you know, prime example. Because he was just here, I had that bulldog puppy with me. Bulldog puppy can't be going for hour-long walks with me down here in the South Florida sun, if it's you know if if the sun is up. I mean, it's as simple as that. Brachycephalic dogs, guys, dogs with smushed snouts, short snouted dogs, uh, they tend to not do as well with the heat. So do be sure you're aware of your breed, your dog's needs, and of course got to mention again, that five second rule, put your hand to the ground, the asphalt, the concrete, if you cannot hold your hand to that ground for five seconds, because it's too hot, then it's too hot for your dog's paws. So please keep that in mind as we as we're getting deeper into summer here. So just want to throw that out there. Um, but again, guys, you have got to exercise your dogs. Of course, you can get out there with your dogs and do playtime. There's nothing wrong with throwing a tennis ball. There's nothing wrong with a lot of play, uh, swim time, those kind of things. But remember. Physical play is never going to be a substitute. Physical play like that, swim, playing ball, tug of war, all that good. It's never going to be a substitute for a proper walk. You need the proper walk and the playtime. That's how much energy your dog can spend in a day. Yeah, (laughs) that's how much energy they should be getting out in a day is a lot of playtime, proper walks, all that good stuff. Okay, so really important to reiterate that the exercise side needs to come first. Uh, Look, whenever I bring a dog into my care with behavioral issues, that's where it starts. It starts on the end of the, the walk and the exercise side of things, because like I said, I've got to get their physical levels down to a manageable level, which then in turn gets their mental uh, levels down to a manageable level. Then we can start the training process. So it all starts with the exercise first, then the structure rules and boundaries and discipline. Guys, I, I, can't, I cannot stress it enough. I really can't. This is really the most important part of training structure and exercise. The answer is always more structure, more exercise. If your dog is uh, all of a sudden one day, you're feeling like his behavior has been getting worse, or let's say, oh, I've noticed over the past two weeks, have you been exercising your dog as much in the past two weeks? Have you been giving them as much stimulation as they normally get? Normally, I I can tell you, like over 90% of the time, the answer is, oh, no, they they haven't been. I've been sick or I've been busy at work or whatever. You know, we're, we're humans, guys. We're not perfect. But there's probably a correlation of lack of structure, lack of exercise, or a combination of the two if you have a dog that has behavioral issues. So get out there and exercise your dog first, then create that structure. So vitally important. Remember, guys, the answer is always more structure and more exercise. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time, or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over? Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services, such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The nature of training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our guest spot. And today's guest is Kelly Hain from the CARE Foundation. Uh, Kelly joined on the show back in November, and she's come back on to give us an update on how everything is going over there. So please help me welcome to the show, Kelly Hain. How are you today?
1: I'm doing really well, Dave. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Thanks for coming back. And always a pleasure to have you. And of course, um, you know, for those of you that maybe hadn't heard the episode with with Kelly yet, uh, you know, Kelly and I are actually good friends. We go back a few years. We used to work together, a couple different capacities, working with animals, training animals, and now Kelly is over at the Care Foundation. And you know what? Why don't you just kind of remind everybody or tell everybody that doesn't know a little bit about the Care Foundation what you guys do?
1: Sure. So the Care Foundation is actually a five hundred one c three nonprofit wildlife sanctuary, and what we We do mainly exotic animals, uh, endangered species, but some native uh, Florida wildlife as well. We provide permanent homes to animals that may have been previously um, private pets um, owned in private homes, um, animals that may have come from other facilities that Uh, They were not able to keep them anymore. Uh, We've even taken in confiscated wildlife that fish and game have needed homes for animals that may have even been dumped on the side of the road or abandoned. So we're basically a safe haven and a final stop for uh, a lot of exotic wildlife that otherwise may have not had a place to go to. So we currently have over 200 animals. And um, our, our mission, of course, is to educate the public on why a lot of these animals don't make good pets And of course, the conservation of the endangered species that we do have.
0: Absolutely. And uh, what's your position over at the CARE Foundation?
1: I am currently the assistant director uh, at CARE. I started as a volunteer uh, gosh, 12 years ago now. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, And then just worked my way up and never left. So now I am second in charge. Well, and I wouldn't have it any other
0: way. I can't believe Kristen still let you do that. That's amazing. No.
1: I, I know. Right? I sometimes you think she would have booted me out a long time ago, but
0: <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's a it's a really neat place, guys. And you know, anybody that's in the <laughs> Central Florida, Florida area, you know, care is actually located in Apopka, Florida, and it's a really, really neat place to go check out. Um, you know, and and you, and you know, we were kind of chatting a little bit before the show here. You know, we were talking about the fact that with Everything that happened in the past year everybody wants to get out and go do things and you guys seem to be doing very well and getting booked up and this is one of those things that's really awesome because it's an outdoor activity that you guys can do um, so again if you know if you're nearby Central Florida area you got to give the plug right there you're going to want to go check them out uh, but yeah tell us a little bit about how the tours have been going and how they've sort of evolved since the last time I talked to you and what you guys are you know what you're what you're offering now and what you're doing and and some of what's going on over there
1: yeah. So during COVID, we were still able to do some of our most private tours because yeah. it was smaller groups. Like, Again, like you said, it's it's all outside. So we are the best place to social distance. <laughs> um, but we also uh, are able to offer birthday parties, um, corporate events. We even actually did our first wedding last November. Had I we done that when I was on with you I the think, first time? You know,
0: I think you were telling me that it was coming up is what it was. I don't okay. know if it had happened yet, but yeah, we definitely talked about it.
1: Yeah, so it was a small wedding, but they got that's married right. right up by our our big cat play area, which was really, really awesome. Um, and then not long after that, around Christmas time, we did our first big company Christmas party where they were able to do a tour. Nice. They got to meet some of our animal ambassadors, and then they actually utilized our uh, bonfire area. They they brought food and drink in, and they had a big bonfire for their company afterwards, oh, and awesome. they did all like Christmas giving and everything. Yeah. So that was the first really big Company party we did. Um, so now that kind of COVID is, you know, we're we're getting back into um, the normal way again, and everybody is wanting to start to do all of their their big group events again. We're having summer camps back, church camps back, um, Girl Scout troops, uh, company parties. Everybody's looking for something to be able to get their their people, their groups, their kids out and enjoying life again. And so we're getting so many phone calls. Uh, for tour bookings and event bookings that we're actually having to book um, a lot of them weeks in advance, which is great because we only yeah. have so many tour guides um, and staff available. And people are so good about it. They're so understanding. Um, and and actually knowing that we're still in a bit of a financial crisis, trying to make up what was lost during the pandemic. Um, everybody has been so generous and so supportive of everything that we do. Um, so it, 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 it has been really good to get back on, on that, you know, on the event, um, event scheduling. um, And then be able to bring in some of those new ideas like the, the corporate events and and the weddings is now we're trying to encourage those as well. We also started animal sponsorships, uh, which is a new thing we're doing this year. That's up on our website where uh, there's different tiers of sponsorships. And when you do that, um, that, gets you a lot of, uh, things that you get to get involved in our foundation. So it'll get you free tours or free merchandise or, um, VIP meet and greets with some of our ambassadors. And so some of the higher tiered ones, a couple of companies have actually done, I think some of the higher tiered ones get up to about like 12 to $1,500 for a year sponsorship, but that'll include bringing out like a, a certain amount of people for like a VIP tour. And uh, we've actually had a couple of them really excited to do it. We've made some animal paintings for them. Like our Liger Camara actually did a paw print painting. And the head of the company, he, he's like, I'm going to hang this in my office. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, with some of the other sponsorships of uh, companies like fencing companies, we've had so much trouble buying supplies oh, yeah. this uh, season Definitely. because things like lumber and stainless steel have been a struggle. We've had so many actually companies uh, donating wow. uh, those items to help us with repairs. So in turn, they've now become sponsors and it's we've been able to give back to them to say thank you.
0: That's really great. So
1: that's been big this summer yeah. too,
0: yeah. That's phenomenal geez, we just did a, we just did a uh, whole line of repair along fence on the property. And oh my God, I <laughs> felt like I was yeah. going to have to give an arm for it. So that's absolutely incredible. Get on this. I mean, it, honestly, off the top of your head, do you happen to happen to remember one of the names of the companies? Cause that's really, that's, that's phenomenal. I'd love to kind of give them a um, shout out if we can for Orlando area people. I know I'm putting you on the spot there. Wasn't no, it? No,
1: no, no. I, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the wording wrong and I can, I can try and look it up for you. I want to say something like it, it's, it's, Technical Training Associates, which sounds weird for fencing, but <laughs> something along those lines was the main fencing company. Sure. Um, they're on our social media. So okay, uh, and yeah, there they donate a good portion of that. Yeah. Good. Uh, and what's
0: and what's the website again for everybody?
1: Uh, so the website's simply www.thecarefoundation.org. Perfect. Yeah. It's a new website. There's still some things we're tweaking and it's a little bit under construction, but sure. um. Yeah, a lot of its a lot of the tour information is current information and the animal sponsorship information is current. So you guys can look all that up. Um and then our social media usually has some updates as well. Instagram and Facebook. And um, one of our senior volunteers recently started a TikTok account, which oh is actually monetized and helping to make us money. Yeah,
0: that's phenomenal. That's awesome.
1: It is. Yeah. She puts up these really cute educational videos <laughs> and just fun and family oriented, just something to brighten everybody's day. And we are already at almost a million followers, wow. which is pretty awesome.
0: That's incredible.
1: And just because of the, the cute cuddly faces of our care animals, brightening people's day and it's a great way to raise a little extra money just by having some fun. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's, I never would have thought that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that person, um, but one of our senior volunteers, man, he has just been doing a great job with it. So cool. it's really, yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, if it's working, you know. Absolutely. Who doesn't love cute animals? So you know. Right. right? We have a lot of
1: people. They're like, "Thank you so much for having this. This is my favorite." And we do like Monkey Monday, Tiger Tuesday, Foxy Friday. (laughs) So she has those animals that everyone look. They're like, "I look. I still look forward to to it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. It's it's just a little bit of joy to brighten up your day. Hey, that's great.
0: We all need more of that. So that's exactly. Wow. Wow. Okay. Cool. Cool. See, there's a lot of good things going on there. Look at that.
1: That's Absolutely. Neat. Yeah,
0: I like all the, the wide variety of events. I mean, that's just cool. It's, it really is, you know, it's a nice wooded property. Uh, it's really pretty out there, and especially with all the animals and, of course, all the noises and then hear the birds calling. And it, it really is, it's, it's, it's unique and it's something different. Um, so, again, you know, gonna, gonna shameless plug again. If you're in the area, you got to check it out, the Care Foundation. That's really cool. And then uh, remind me the Instagram. Is it just at the Care Foundation?
1: Uh, it's Care Foundation Florida. That's okay,
0: I thought I was like I'm pretty yeah, sure it's there's not. There's a couple yes. of
1: there's a couple of other uh, rescues across. I think there's one in Texas that also uses Care in its name. Yeah. So we
0: about that. Sure. sure. Well, there's a lot of care going around for the animals. So there has Absolutely. to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a really good name. Care. Good name. Okay. So care foundation, Florida at care foundation, Florida is the Instagram and the care is the website. Of course you can check that out again, guys, the animal sponsorships. That's such great. That, that's really great. Um, and then definitely if you're not in the area, that kind of allows you to get a little more information on the animals, have a little more of a, a virtual experience with them, I think, but you know, get that kind of experience yeah. nonetheless. So that's awesome. I love you, you guys Thank are doing you. a a lot of good stuff. You know, it's it's been I mean, for, for that matter, the podcast was a way for me to sort of adapt in, in right. COVID right. world. You know, that was, that was part of the original thought. And now the virtual training I've been offering is, is, is new and different. And we're all kind of having to figure out these ways to adapt and, and reassess. And it sounds like you guys have, have found those great avenues. So that's really great to it, hear.
1: Uh, it has been, I think that was kind of the goal was to be able to reach further. We yeah. have so many local supporters, which is fantastic, but it, it allowed us to reach even further to people and it has brought in, I mean, to be able to ask. So when I do my tours, the first two questions I ask is, have you ever been here before? And if you don't mind me asking, how did you hear about us? And to hear people say, I follow you on this. I follow you (laughs) on that. I mean, there are a lot of people that do, you know, they're not sold on social media and everybody is going to have their opinion. You know, it, it can bring out some negativity, unfortunately. Sure. But it can have a lot of positivity as well. And to be able to hear somebody say, I follow you on this, you do such great work. And it brought me all the way here. Um, We've also teamed up with somebody who is, um, he does have a couple of rescue monkeys and he is somebody that is a private pet owner, but he's a very realistic person who his main goal is to actually teach people, this is not for the faint of heart. I've made this choice. And it's something that I want people to understand. It's not for everybody. And he's a very realistic owner. And he's one of the only people that we would support in what they do. True. So we've teamed up with him, but he's also a YouTube sensation monkey, um, which he gets a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of both positive and negative. But by teaming up with him, it also reached us further into the social media and being uh, there were people that when he came down to visit us, people flew in from California to see both him and to see our animals just to join our fundraiser. It was kind Hmm. of amazing how far you can go when you do put that out there. Yeah. So it it was incredible Hmm. to, to find out how many people across the country actually knew about us.
0: That's really cool. Power, power of social media. I tell you,
1: yeah, sometimes you, you got to you gotta give it the credit it deserves when it's used the right way and exactly. the, I mean, the positive way
0: it can of course, be used. Of course. And, you know, I mean, it, touching on the pets and exotic animal side, you know, we talked a little bit about it last time. And, um, you know, I don't hide my views and you don't hide yours, that there are people out there who who and again, this is the minority of the population. This is not most people. This is vast, small amount of people in this world that should own exotic animals as pets, because if it can't be done properly, there's a lot of education, understanding uh, that's right. gained out of that one-on-one experience. You know, um, right. Seeing an animal over a screen is a great way to get that first engagement going. But what you guys do is bring that interaction and education to you know the frontline and so again to me it's all about balance and it's about creating balance and and just like you said you know there are certain people that are dedicate their lives to this and can create that balance but like, you know, like like uh, he makes the point of it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for everybody. And for that matter, it's not for most people. Um, so right. it is about that that balance of it. But, again, at the end of the day, there's a reason the Care Foundation exists. And a lot of those animals there are surrendered pets are people who couldn't care for them are a lot of people with not the best intent. Maybe some people with good intent. Um, but, you know, that's the reality of why you guys do the great work you do every day is vast majority of people should not own exotic animals. So just want to kind of Correct. reiterate that little fact there, but, um, right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you have to update me a little bit cause I didn't get to ask about all my favorite animals before we talked. Uh, I was asking about Ngozi and Ngozi is a uh, Nile crocodile. And you said what he's getting to be about like eight to 10 feet, you would guess.
1: I at least, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, my estimations may be off because when you have to stand outside his enclosure and look, um, he has such a large area, large habitat to live in that yeah. sometimes we were actually he looks small, <laughs> yeah, he looks small, yeah, but he's yeah. he's a pretty big boy, yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, and and again, he's an example of one of those animals that that was a confisc- uh, confiscation from Florida fish and wildlife. And, you know, there's, <laughs> how many places do you guys know that can accommodate an Nile crocodile? Um, so it's amazing that they built this wonderful enclosure for him. He's got a big pool to swim in uh, and he's very well taken care of. But I always liked him. He's one of my favorites because he's just, he was so cool. Um, yeah. And then of course. He's, how- a wow, he's a
1: wow factor too, because most oh, people yeah. don't expect, you said, to see something like that. Everybody expects sanctuaries to have gators, um, sure, smaller especially reptiles, Especially in Florida, yeah. but- Right. I mean, we have a lot of um, monitors. We've got iguanas now. The tegus. We we have have a lot of those guys. Uh, uh, bearded dragons. You expect to see that because when you think previously owned pets, you think all sure. the little stuff. Um, but when we tell people we have big cats and crocodilian and pythons, they they actually are shocked and they find out that these are the types of animals that may or may not have ended up in somebody's home exactly. as a pet somewhere across the state, um, you know, the the country, and that's that's what blows people's minds. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So how's Miss Lola doing?
1: She's good. She's getting up there in age. She's about 17. She's, wow, she's she starting really? to slow down a little bit. Yeah. I yeah. Um, but she's still her sassy self. <laughs> uh, you know, she's, uh, yeah, she's still, still, she's still acting got like a bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still loves her marshmallows. Yeah. Um, but she, she is starting to, to slow down a little bit. Um, but and I mean, you know, it's, they can live 20 years yeah. or more. Yeah. So, you know, I'd nice. like to think we've got a lot of time left with her.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. make, I'll make my way around this, let's, let's go to the primate side. How's uh, how's Andy and, and, and miss Rosie.
1: Oh, they're very, very good. good. They're uh, there's uh, Andy's Andy gets a little crazy sometimes, Yeah. Uh, but, but they're, they're good. We've got eight capuchins now total. <sighs> That's wow. um, I know we start with the original and that, go, that kind of speaks to what we were just talking about where people think it's such a great idea to have these guys as pets. Mm-hmm. But that they are that main group of animals where every single capuchin we have was originally a privately owned animal yeah. that was confiscated, abandoned, surrendered for a variety of different reasons. Um, and, you know, and here they are at our place. So yeah. I feel like that's the, that's the poster child mm-hmm. for People think it makes the the best pet. And then down the line, uh, you know, couples get divorced and the monkey becomes that, you know, the casualty of war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's confiscated because of uh, a licensing problem. Abandoned because somebody moves to a state where you have to have a license. And now they realize that, oh, I'm going to be inspected for this animal. Well, this is too much work. I'm just going to leave it. Um, and then, of course, Andy's group, which is the hoarding situation yeah. where they passed away. yeah, and can't just take a couple of monkeys to the local animal shelter and call it a day. So that's possibly the the biggest group of animals that is such a a topic of discussion as private pets because for thirty years, these animals have been owned as pets. Mm-hmm. And it's still talked about people we still have people coming to our property. Wanting to get their hours so they can get their license so they can go buy a monkey, and you know we'll give them the realist the reality of the situation. If you'd like to complete your hours, we'll let you. But most of the time, people change their minds before they get through even half of their hours or even ten minutes of a conversation with us at our place because they see the real down and dirty of what life is like. Realize, oh, this is what I'm getting myself into. But we still get that. Yeah. It, you know, some of the mentality, even with all of what we do know and what people know, that starry eyed idea, it doesn't leave for some people and they still want them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, we're still going to end up with more, I'm sure, down the yeah. road.
0: Unfortunately.
1: But that's why we exist. Exactly.
0: That's, exactly. It'd
1: be, it'd be great to put ourselves out of business, but. Because we as, you know, we as a species are a species (laughs) of explanation. We're not, we are not the brightest crayons in the box. That's what's (laughs) about it, is people are supposed to be the smartest on the planet. Yet, we sometimes make the dumbest decisions.
0: So We never, we never learn from our mistakes. But that's
1: okay, because... Maybe, maybe that's the way to
0: put it. We yeah. never learn from our mistakes, and what happens when you don't learn from history? It repeats itself, and that's what not learning right. from your mistakes is. And hey, we could go down that road, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the truth. It, it's funny. I mean, not to not to go off here, but you know, it's I always think back to the Matrix movie, the original Matrix movie, where they call human beings a virus, and. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's kind of true because we go place to place and suck up all the resources dry until we can't use yep. it anymore and move on. Uh, yep. and it's similar to how viruses act. Um, so it, it, that, that for some reason always kind of stuck with me. I, maybe it was you know, my young self as an animal person going, God, I hate humans, you know. <laughs> um,
1: but it, it really is. Those of us that that is our career. That is our choice of, of not just job, but lifestyle is within the animal world. I mean, I've always told people I love working with animals. Not that I don't like people. No, I mean, I, I'm a yeah, people.
0: of course, no, I agree. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I definitely love working around animals because they are so much more honest yeah. than people are. What yep. you see is what you get. Yep. You know, you, as, as you know, with, with this podcast, with your, with, with training dogs, especially, like you say, there there is a purpose for everything every animal does. And they are not just going to do something for no reason. It may appear that way, <laughs> but they are so honest. Yeah. It's just whether we have figured out why they are doing what they are doing and picking up on all of their behavior and their mentality and their choices. But we are such a deceitful species. Not, you know, I'm not no. trying to say everything bad, but that's why I like working with animals because they're they're gonna tell me what's going on before I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And we can learn so much more from them than we learn from each other.
0: Definitely. And have any, just reiterating, you have to have that one-on-one contact with the animal. You have to have that relationship in order to be able to, to gain that experience and that understanding and that knowledge, you know,
1: and working in the animal training business and the animal rescue business. I mean, any animal business really, but these two, especially when, when they go hand in hand, even when you're trying to work an animal through, a challenging situation, you know, you and I both go through that in our, our specific, you know, careers. It's, it's such a, such a unique, you know, situation um, because of that. But I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's so much more rewarding in the end when you can actually figure it out and link yourself to that animal and, and, you know, you connect. Yeah. And that's what I love about what we do out at care is helping other people find that connection by allowing them to see an animal up close and and to link them to it. I just, I love it. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah. No, as I, you know, as I think I said last time when you're on here, one of my favorite things really is just getting up in front of people and talking about an animal and being able to share that, you know, that connection, that experience with them. Um, you know, that's, that's, that was, it's always one of my favorite things to do. And I mean, luckily I kind of get to still do that every day with dogs. Right. Um, cause there is that disconnect with people and their pets, especially talk about a disconnect with people and exotic animals. My God, uh, we can't even do it with our dogs. you know So right. it's yeah. no wonder it's no wonder. Um, and so every day I get to make that connection. I, you know, I get it totally. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a unique profession and takes a unique person, a unique kind. <laughs> That's for sure. Us animal people, we are, we're I think we're all a little nuts to some degree. Um, Absolutely. You know.
1: It's very crazy to be able to do this every day.
0: But I I think I'm the more crazy one. I'm trying to teach people how to deal with their dogs. You guys get to just educate people. You don't have to deal with that side of it, that it's their own pet, their own animal. You don't get that emotional. right? Yeah.
1: You're not going to send them home with the animal and go, good luck.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've seen how that works, you know? Uh, No, it's It's an uphill battle. Yes. Yes. But that's, Hey, you know, that's all right. That's all right. I enjoy the challenge. And, and, you know, that's, it's kind of like double-sided with, with it, with getting, you know, once you do make that change, if you've got an animal who's crazy, you have a dog who's crazy, or you guys bring an exotic animal that's, you know, had traumatizing experiences, little nuts or whatever. And once you get to conquer that, and once you see the end result and you get that result, what's really cool to me is, I mean, look, I'm not trying to like, let me toot my own horn, but you know, I do say, if I couldn't train your dog, you shouldn't hire me. So like not to be but I train dogs all the time. And yes, getting that result always feels really good, and especially when it's a challenging case, it feels extra good. But to me, what really is starting to more in, in into my career is when you get the people to to change their thought process about their dog, and then yeah. they change their behavior because of it. It's rewarding at the end of the day. So Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But a lot of other think they think animals are so much more complicated than they are. So to be able to connect that bridge for everybody, I think that is also like you said, it's the most rewarding to be able to help other people see what we see.
0: Yeah, Because I'd like to think
1: it's a natural ability that not everybody has. And that's okay. I don't, I don't, I'm terrible at math. (laughs) I don't have the math. Other people do. This is my special talent. This is my natural ability that I have Been born with, I've been able to use. So I love to share that with everybody else. Is that what what else is seeing that I just connect with? I I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world is when I see the light in a child's eyes when I'm able to give them a piece of information that is now there. They just, you know, they they are able to understand when it's an animal they've never seen before, and they can connect it with something else. Or when they do, when when they come on property. And they've been watching the TV show Wild Prats, <laughs> that I've I'd never heard of this show before, but suddenly it's a new TV show that's apparently very educational. And I I have kids, six and seven year olds, coming out and going, That's an African serval. That's a Coda Mundi. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, Oh, my heart. Yeah, because they're learning so much and they're taking what they learn and they're putting it, they're actually using it in their life. They're taking what they see on TV and they're coming onto the property and they're actually using it.
0: That's cool. And
1: I love that. And I love that they get so excited about it and they want to learn more. Definitely. So that's, it's, yeah, it's huge to be able to, to take that natural talent, but the love and the passion that I have and share it with others and see them get as excited as I do.
0: And, you know, it's funny on that note, I, it's, I, I, I like working with my client's kids because, you know, like you said, they're, they're so you know, sp- kids are sponges. They want to take all this information and everything in and it's so funny because I'll get some families where they're like, oh, I don't know how much the kid will be involved and then you get the kid involved you know like you get them involved and excited about working yeah. with their dog um and that to me is it's even i just had a client the other day who sent me the video uh, a video of actually she sent it to me earlier tonight uh, earlier today rather of uh of her kid working with the dog and going on the walk and we had had a session uh with the, kid. It, the point is it it brought her a lot of joy to see her kid actually walking the dog it brings me a lot of joy to see a kid interacting with a dog in a really healthy and positive and, and happy way you know in a good way um yeah. and it's it's those kind of moments where i look back to my childhood where i had profound moments the animals that impacted me and probably made me decide to go. And it's like, it's cool because you wonder, I mean, especially you with how many kids you guys come in, you guys must make such a big impact and you don't, you know, you don't always know it. And it's years from now that the kid will remember that moment at care where they got to interact with this one particular animal. And before you know it, you're, you're setting in motion and you, you've kind of changed their lives in a way. And so I think that's why it's really important. And that's why I really enjoy getting kids excited and working with animals because you, you really don't know when you have that impact on them to to make them want to do this and make them want to work with animals. So it's right. it's cool. It is. It's very fulfilling and it feels really good at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. I mean I I'd, I'd like I'd like to think that a good portion of them walk away with something because they're Definitely. you know they're the next generation that's going to help save the planet. So
0: yeah. That's <laughs> that's true. And and again as I've talked about before I think the further we get away from animals the more the, the more important and more vital places like the care foundation become places like zoos and and places that that create that conversation and not only conversation but interaction right with animals and that's what's important so you know I just have to have to say it again you know the care foundation guys check out the website thecarefoundation.org you can find them on Instagram at Care Foundation Florida, um, you know all kinds of awesome stuff going on there. They've got the animal sponsorships now, which you can check out on the webpage. Um, if you're in the Florida area, check it out. But you know, as you've heard, even virtually, it's really cool with everything. You know, some of the good that has come out of the last year, guys, is the virtual connections we've been able. Some of them maybe haven't worked so well, but it seems like the routes and the avenues Care is going that seem to be working great. So even if you're not in the area, you can connect with the Care Foundation. Be sure you do. Be sure you check them out in some capacity because. It's really just a great organization that does a lot of great work for animals in need. So I want to thank you again, Kelly, for coming on the show a second time. I appreciate you uh, returning and updating us on everything going on there. And, uh, you know, hey, look forward to talking with you more in the future.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. I look forward to it
0: as well. Awesome, Kelly. Thanks. Take care. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's breed of the week is the Shiba Inu. Now, the Shiba Inu, they are a member of the non-sporting group. Males weigh in at about 23 pounds, and females come in at 17 pounds. The Shiba Inu is an alert, active, and energetic dog. Originally bred as a hunter, they now enjoy life mostly as a companion dog. With their pointy ears and fox-like features, they almost resemble a stuffed toy. These guys, they can do well with kids, and they are very affectionate to their families. They're very well adapted to apartment living, if given the proper amount of exercise and stimulation. This breed can be somewhat independent, though, so they may not be the best dog for the first time dog owner. Now, the Shiba Inu, they are a relatively healthy dog. The most common issue that they have is allergies. Yeah, those skin irritations, they can become really itchy and then get more itchy and more irritated as they scratch it and get out of control. So it's important that owners really stay on top of that. Kept in good health, the Shiba Inu can live from 13 to 16 years. Now, the origin of the Shiba Inu, well, it can be traced back to ancient Japan. The breed is the smallest of all the Japanese dogs and was originally bred to flush out small game and birds for hunters. There are multiple theories thrown about on where the name might have come from. Now, the word Shiba in Japanese means brushwood, and some say that the dogs were named after the brushwood that they would often hunt in. Another theory is that an archaic definition of Shiba refers to their small size. One more explanation could possibly be related to their coloration, as it also resembles the same colors of the brushwood that they again hunted in, and that's what they would, be, would have been named for. Either way, the Shiba Inu can trace its ancestry back to around 300 BC. Now, the breed almost saw their demise after World War II when they nearly became extinct, Most of the dogs that were not killed in bombings succumbed to distemper after the war. Now, at this point, the Shiba Inu was actually taken out into the countryside for isolation and repopulating the breed. The first documented Shiba Inu entering the United States was in 1954 by a military family, but the breed was not recognized by the AKC until 1993, entering in the miscellaneous class. It was not until 1997 that they acquired full status in the non-sporting group. The Shiba Inu is the most popular breed in Japan today, and it continues to grow in popularity in the U.S. as well. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the fastest accelerating dog in the world? It's our breed of the week from last week, the Whippet. Yes, the Whippet is the fastest accelerating dog in the world. up on Speak Dogcast it's our listener Q&A First question today comes from Richard from Branson Missouri Richard asks is it okay to let my puppy nibble on my fingers he is a 4 month old labradoodle The easy answer to this Richard no no it's not <laughs> All you're doing is kind of setting precedents of of letting your puppy chew on people. Um, You know, look, I know it's really cute when they're really little and it kind of looks adorable and when they're really little probably doesn't hurt and it's probably like a teething thing or maybe even just playful and they're not actually biting you. I've heard, you know, I've heard it all. But the reality is dogs are going to practice whatever behaviors you allow them to get away with. It's as simple as that just allowing a behavior to happen, well, not even allowing it, look at it this way, they're getting something out of it. Again, if they're most likely that age, they're most likely teething, and so he gets something out of chewing you. If he gets something out of chewing you, it's being reinforced. If it's being reinforced, the behavior is being strengthened. If the behavior is being strengthened, your dog is more likely to want to repeat that in the future because they get something out of it. So, you know, I know it's just a four-month-old dog, and people don't really think twice about that with being a puppy, but unfortunately, you really want to curb those behaviors early on. Your dog isn't going to know, well, dad likes it when I chew on him, but his friend that comes over doesn't. So I won't chew on him. Like (laughs) They really can't make that discrimination. It's either I'm allowed to chew on people or I'm not allowed to chew on people. So I'd highly recommend redirecting that to a toy, telling them no, uh, creating some kind of punishment with it if it gets out of control. But I prefer to try to redirect that behavior first. Next question. This comes from Emma from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Emma says, when my kids were little, they would drop food on the floor and my dog learned to go and clean it up. But now it has evolved into she starts begging for any food anytime we eat. How can I get her to stop? Yeah, this is a little tough. <laughs> your dog has gotten a taste of the good stuff and is coming back for more. Um, yeah, no, that's a tough one with kids because obviously, when they're really little, they're they're dropping food on the floor. It sometimes flies everywhere when you got a tiny, you know, baby eating, and um, your dogs learn to eat people food, and that's that's tough. That stinks, you know. Now, if it's evolved into begging over time, most likely what has happened is your kids have grown up. And your kids aren't feeding them anymore, which kudos to your kids. That's awesome. But again, you know, it's funny. It relates to the first question. If you allow a behavior, <laughs> it's going to keep going. And it's not to say that you allow your dog to eat the food or, you know, I'm not I'm not going there. Um, the point is, though, your dog practiced the behavior. All of a sudden, food's not being handed out like it was before. And it's going, hey, wolf, what's, what's up with that? come on, there's supposed to be food here. Woof, woof. <laughs> okay. And it turns into begging and that's what's happened. That's why it's evolved It's most likely you're not giving them the same amount of food or any food at all. And so they think they need to demand it. Um, you know, the easiest way to kind of curb this honestly is teach them a spot, teach them a place, teach them to go to their dog bed. So anytime you're eating, you redirect them away and you make them stand the dog bed away from you. Okay. I, I, <laughs> Sometimes I tell you know tell owners, hey, give them a bone or give them something to chew on, but we're still running the risk of associating food then, or anytime you eat, they get this fun bones. You got to be careful with that one. I really just try to redirect them to their bed and tell them to stay. Simple as that. You need to stay there and leave me alone. Okay, Create a boundary. Make sure you're telling them no. Make sure you're communicating to your dog that that begging you know, begging is an unacceptable behavior. But again, I really I one of the best ways to do it really is to teach them a spot, teach them a place, and just redirect them and guide them to it and teach them to give you space. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you guys so much for listening in. And of course, a very special thank you to my guest, Kelly Hain from the Care Foundation. Don't forget to go check out their website, thecarefoundation.org. You guys have a wonderful week. And of course, don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.